Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. In the previous program, I believe that I inadvertently attributed a quote to Nancy Pelosi that was in fact made by Diane Feinstein. And even though these ladies, and I use that term very liberally, very generously, even though these women are essentially sisters by different mothers, still, I want to correct that. So Diane Feinstein is the one who is to be credited for this quote. All vets are mentally ill in some way, and government should prevent them from owning firearms, end quote. She said that in a meeting in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And this was while she was trying to push her anti-firearms bill through. Well, she and Nancy Pelosi and Barbara Boxer and Patty Murray and so many others, including the likes of Susan Collins, they are on the same side, just right down the line. And uh, so... While Nancy Pelosi certainly harbors the same sentiments, I'm not aware of her having uttered that quote. But it is such a statement. I mean, really, you need to just uh, let that simmer. You know, it is all veterans are mentally ill. All veterans are mentally ill in some way. And government should prevent them from owning firearms. Now, mind you, of course, all veterans in yesteryear included the likes of George Washington. But (laughs) this idea that government, yes, our new and improved government, our vile, lewd, profane, subverted, perverted, anti-Christian, anti-humane Government should prevent, should forcibly prevent all military veterans from owning firearms, including, of course, all of those veterans who are in law enforcement and those few veterans that hold high elected office. Because the majority, the vast majority, of those who hold high office, high elected office, do not have military service in their past. But this just dovetails with something today. Now, one broadcaster whom I have never appreciated, there are some whom I have appreciated, even some who are very left-wing, who nonetheless... I have appreciated how they deliver and how they do this, that, and the other, and how they entertain. But this is one who I have always considered to be a media small fry, even though he has pulled down very big bucks 
and has graced numerous high-profile programs, and that is Bob Costas. And he had to get in on this, this NFL brouhaha, had to get in on it, and he decried the equating of patriotism with military and flag-waving. That that isn't the sole province of patriotism. He didn't say that. Those aren't his words. Those are mine. Uh, My improvements on his words. But, no. Instead, he went on to state certain protesters. And he said they were patriots. And he went on to equate all manner of protest with patriotism, with being patriotic. Now, I thought it was very interesting that he happened to single out Susan B. Anthony as being a patriot. Susan B. Anthony, who years before the leftist feminists was a tremendous opponent of induced abortion. She believed induced abortion was absolutely evil, was murder. And she was a stalwart, zealous opponent of induced abortion, of prostitution, of pornography, of all of these things that outstanding women political leaders have championed for so long. Yes, with the exceptions, with the notable exceptions of the K. Bailey Hutchinsons and so forth. But for him to mention Susan B. Anthony, I thought was really remarkable and certainly a slip of the tongue. She's not the kind he would have been lauding. But all manner of protests, all protests are patriotic. Unless, of course, they are something that is honoring God, honoring Christ, and calling for a return to lawfulness righteousness, justice, instead of lawlessness. We have had legalized lawlessness in this nation for lo these many years. But Bob, in his great wisdom, chooses to honor dishonor, dishonor to this nation, and to tout that as being patriotism. And I don't care to say many words with regard to the NFL. I've addressed the NFL, I don't know, many moons ago. (laughs) But I don't care to add additional attention to something that is so undeserving of attention. But...
the NFL, the wonderful NFL, National Football League, it's like its commissioner. NFL commissioner Roger Goodell. Well, Roger, not my kind of guy. Yeah, I know. That's harsh of me to feel that way, but he's just not. The NFL is not only the tip of the spear for honoring, promoting disloyalty to this nation in the narrative that blacks across this nation are downtrodden and being exploited. What's so ironic about it is not that long ago, I referred to this one outstanding player, not person, but player, who insisted that he was enslaved by the NFL. That the NFL was a new version of the plantation. And he was oppressed and he was enslaved. Now this fellow, of course, was a mega millionaire. And he never would have been without the National Football League. Not only without the new and improved NFL of social activism of the left, but without the NFL of recent decades in which players, instead of receiving high wages relative to other workers, other blue-collar employees, instead of that, they receive extreme, obscene amounts of money. And while they are in their 20s, They're not just the top 1%. They're the top 0.1%. And when they go on the road, when they travel, they have to receive five-star treatment, five-star hotels, top restaurants, everything catering to every whim because they're so important after all. And, of course, back when they were in college, they were receiving free college education They were also the VIPs of campus. And they got all the goodies. And it's interesting how many of them gravitate to white girls. But I digress. Talking about the black NFL players. Well, one black, meaning beige, commentator the other day referred to 70% of NFL players being black. 70% now in other sports the numbers may be different but he referred to and I don't consider him a credible source but he is considered a credible source by so many he referred to it as being 70% so who am I who am I to disagree with that Okay, 70% of the NFL players according to him, are black. Well, they are the elite of the elite. And it is thanks to modern society, the modern U.S. of A., the modern corrupted, defiled, subverted, perverted, 
unjust, unrighteous U.S. of A., that these men are millionaires, multimillionaires, mega-millionaires, while they are still in their 20s. And then, of course, there are the other sports, such as baseball and basketball or blacksketball. <laughs> Were it not for the European whites, and I mean from Eastern Europe, playing in the NBA, it would be even more extremely black than it is. And the ghetto culture, can you call it culture? I know it's, for me, it's not culture. Something that is in opposition to culture, for me, does not constitute culture. And the ghetto rap, hip-hop, obscene, violent, rapacious, anti-woman, anti-family narrative and theme of that so-called music, which is a perversion of music, and everything that goes with it, all of the glorification of pimps, of enslavers of girls and young women as prostitutes, and all so often of white girls, kidnapped, raped, forced into prostitution, glorification of it. Here in this new and improved, polluted United States of America, polluted with much worse things than what are commonly referred to as pollutants, polluted with vileness and lewdness and profaneness and perversity, so that children, young people, adults, elder citizens, are assaulted routinely with this obscene, monstrous filth that is blasted by so many of these people out of their ghetto blasters, out of their boom boxes, out of their stereos in their vehicles that they ramp up to the heights <laughs> as an abomination before God, as an abomination before people. This nation has been corrupted with this. When's the last time, and I digress for a moment here, when's the last time you saw a movie or a television program and saw a synopsis or saw a rating or saw something else and it referred to it, it has a little description and it will refer to adult language, adult situations, adult Language, adult situations. There's another one of these adult themes, adult themes, adult thematic content, whatever all else they're using. Adult is the term that's used. Adult is the word that describes monosyllabic filth and pornography. And violent behavior towards girls and young women and women. It's adult. It's so adult. Well, if you haven't been exposed to it, 
it nonetheless, to what I'm going to mention next, if you haven't been exposed to it, it still should be reasonable and very easy to understand, is that I have encountered time and again young children spewing out filth, absolute obscene trash talking, as in the NFL. How can that be? You know, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, and not just these preschool children, but then the grade school children, pouring out this filth, which in movies and television programs is referred to as adult language. Adult language. (laughs) It's remarkable. How can they do that? Well, it's because there's nothing adult about it. It's obscene, it's abominable, it's filthy, and it is a firebrand, if you will, that along with the ghetto rap and the hip-hop, these beats to rape by, to commit gang rape by, and so forth, and murder by, these things are very easily transferred to children. Children that are getting it from music. Getting it from their role models, some of them NFL stars. Getting it from the movies and the TV, but certainly their bigger brothers, cousins, and the gangbangers that happen to be around them. And certainly by drive-by pollution that they're exposed to, and increasingly by what they're exposed to in public schools. But this NFL, it is such a trailblazer and such a champion of such things. I mentioned the other day about the manipulation of narratives, about how when the narratives don't fit the agenda of those who are controlling the news. They twist the narratives to fit their agenda. And the facts be damned. And so it is with regard to this NFL protest where we're going to see this throughout Major League Baseball and so forth. Yes, Roger Goodell's NFL championing the downtrodden blacks who, ironically, again, in very recent years, have described the NFL as being a slavist institution and that they're on a plantation and it's exploiting them, exploiting them to the tune of them receiving millions and millions and millions of dollars per year. This is the same NFL that, again, it prohibits what it abhors, and it promotes the agenda of Roger Goodell. And who is this great man, this Roger Goodell, who receives more than $40 million per year, even more than the highest paid players receive on salary, but, of course, they also receive their endorsements, which is where they can make Vast fortunes as well. Who is this Roger Goodell whose father was Charles Goodell? Senator. 
this Roger Goodell who married a former Fox News channel anchor. Amazing. Roger Goodell, who is supposedly Republican. Well, one of Roger's brothers, Michael, is, quote, and I'm air quoting here, quote, married, end quote, to Jack Kenny, Michael and Jack. Yes. That's brother of Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell, who has aggressively promoted the sodomite agenda in the NFL and championed it. And it has been enthusiastically embraced, supported, promoted, championed by all of the sports networks. And I mean unanimously. There is not any dissent allowed. It's all the same narrative that all of this promotion of sodomites is good and any opposition to it is bad. And when any player has been so foolish as to speak out to oppose it, they have been censored by their teams, they have been fined by their teams, they have been censored and fined by the NFL, they have been subjected to re-education programs being sensitized to this, and they invariably come around. This has been with the full, not just acquiescence, but the very enthusiastic, aggressive cooperation of head coaches. But this same NFL, of course, can selectively go after these individuals who don't toe the party line. As it went after Tim Tebow, prohibited him from taking a knee. From taking a knee in honor to God, from taking a knee in remembrance of five slain policemen murdered in Dallas, Texas, greater Dallas. The NFL, the NFL that is now insisting that blacks across this nation are terribly oppressed and downtrodden to this day that they are oppressed and downtrodden as is seen by how many are millionaires, multimillionaires, mega-millionaires throughout professional sports, not to mention those in the media, not to mention those in the entertainment industries, those who are superstars and stars and lesser stars throughout movies and television, not to mention throughout music. Real music, genuine music, let alone the trash, the vile abomination that is referred to as music, which is ghetto rap and hip-hop. But, yes, this nation is terribly oppressive of blacks. So terribly oppressive. And yet these individuals 
were they in any other part of the world, would not have had the opportunity to thrive and flourish as they have here. But that's just the way it is in the U.S. of A. of today. That despite all of the reverse discrimination, all of the massive amounts of favorable treatment above and beyond that offered to others, despite that, affirmative action galore, despite all of those who've been admitted to graduate schools in spite of their qualifications, not because of, but instead because of their color, because of their race. Despite all of those who have been employed by the federal government and blessed with very well-paying jobs and benefits galore, despite all of that and all of those employed by the state governments and all of those employed by the municipalities, the municipal governments, and all of those who have reached the highest pinnacles of power in this nation, whether that happens to be generals, four-star generals in the military, in the Army, Marine Corps, and their corresponding ranks in the Air Force and the Navy, and Coast Guard, all of those who have reached the highest pinnacles throughout the judiciary system, federal judgeships, state Supreme Courts, United States Supreme Court, all of those who have scaled the heights of academia, all of those who hold elective office, in addition to all of those who have been appointed, despite all of that, the facts be damned, Blacks are oppressed and downtrodden in the United States of America, not over in Rwanda, not in Sierra Leone. No, not in the former Rhodesia. No, not in Africa, not in the heart of Africa. whether it be Zimbabwe or what have you. No, not in these nations that are ruled and ravaged by black dictators and where various black tribes do their utmost to annihilate others and exploit them and oppress them in other ways. But no, no. Not like Nigeria, where the Islamist blacks terrorize the black Christian former majority. No, but here in the United States of America, it is such a lie, and the media promotes it, and the media champions it. The major media elites, without exception, without exception, 
I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. In case you missed the introduction. But Roger Goodell will no doubt continue to reap his $40 million plus per year in this lifetime. <laughs> but while I'm on this theme, I would rather get over to something vastly more important like North Korea. But while I'm on this, let me just also reference a couple other things about the dear old NFL and also NCAA football again, the colleges where these student athletes, <laughs> where they have been launched from into the NFL. Let me just give a list of downtrodden, oppressed, exploited black men. Caleb Brantley, defensive lineman who was drafted this year by the Cleveland Browns despite incidents in his immediate past, violent incidents. Offensive lineman Lyle Collins, signed last year by the Dallas Cowboys, had been a star at LSU in Shreveport. Louisiana State University. Lyle Collins, whose pregnant girlfriend was murdered and her murderer was not apprehended, and it caused NFL teams to be somewhat hesitant to draft him. But he's doing very nicely with the Dallas Cowboys courtesy of Jerry Jones. Defensive end Greg Hardy, who had violently not only attacked, but murderously, repeatedly threatened one of his babes, one of his girlfriends, throwing her at one point onto his bed, covered with what are referred to as assault rifles plural, assault rifles and other firearms. He was slapped on the wrist, and Jerry Jones brought him in to the Dallas Cowboys. Well, since then, he has departed. They've parted ways with Greg. but And running back Ray Rice, who teed off and sucker-punched his fiance with a vicious shot while they were in an elevator. And he drug her out back to their room. Ray is not currently in the NFL, as far as I know, but he was an outstanding running back. Outstanding running back. Just not an outstanding person, but an outstanding running back. Various other thugs, Pac-Man Jones and all these other ones. Um, There was one... um, not sure of his name, like T.J. Hardy, uh, very young safety, star safety there with the Denver Broncos, who I believe has now parted company from them courtesy of the Denver Broncos, but he too had such incidents. But then in the NCAA, 
I saw a story about the 10 best coaches in college football. And, of course, former Oklahoma coach. This was back when he was still coach. Former Oklahoma head coach Bob Stoops. This is just before he resigned after 18 years as head coach at University of Oklahoma after his reign there. Dear old Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops, who has paid great homage to denouncing racism against blacks, against black men. Dear old Bob Stoops, who brought Doriel Green Beckham to Oklahoma from Missouri. Doriel Green Beckham, who was drafted in 2015 into the NFL. Well, Doriel Green Beckham, great big guy, extremely talented receiver, was kicked off of the Missouri team following having thrown a young woman down a flight of stairs. This young woman was a friend of his girlfriend. And he was, among other things, going after his girlfriend. And this young woman was in the way. (laughs) And he threw her down the stairs. Good boy. Good boy. Role model material. Didn't hurt his draft stock, amazingly enough. Again, he went to Oklahoma first. Bob Stoops welcomed him with open arms because he's great, big, long, fast, talented guy. Rotten, but talented. And that's what matters because winning is king. In the NCAA, big-time football programs, and in the NFL. Joe Mixon. Oklahoma star running back who was drafted this year after incidents of striking women in the face with absolute haymakers. And Joe Mixon is doing great. He's doing great. I can't remember what team he's with now, but he is having a wonderful rookie season. Wonderful fellow. Because again, Talented, fast, gifted, strong, rotten, but that doesn't matter. Winning matters. There are many others. And I will just finish with this one. Wide receiver D.D. Westbrook, who has had multiple family violence incidents against the mother of his two children. But hey, he's another one who, again, matriculated from Oklahoma. Bob Stoops, under Bob Stoops' tutelage. Good old Bob Stoops, being the NCAA Hall of Fame. Great man. Great family man. Great American. Patriotic American. Yeah, well, Bob is gone. 
Let me mention another Bob. Bob of a different mother, a Bob cut out of different cloth. Bob Hurley, who is a Hall of Fame basketball coach, who coached at Little St. Anthony High School, Catholic High School in New Jersey, which has now been shut down despite all of his efforts, his tireless efforts to keep that institution afloat for the sake of the inner city youths who attended there, so many of whom were black. Well, Bob used to work as a probation officer even while he was head basketball coach there in Jersey City, New Jersey. Bob Hurley provided a father figure, a role model, and I hate to use the term because I hate these buzzwords and terms that have been so glorified, but tough love. He provided tough love, discipline, respect. He imparted that to these teenage boys, these young men. Basketball, as outstanding a basketball coach as he was, basketball was secondary to making an impact on them for the better, for their life. It wasn't about focused on them going to the NBA, even though he provided the most outstanding coaching possible to enable them to reach that stage if they were sufficiently talented and disciplined. But it was a matter of enabling them to grow up to be honorable young men. And he loved them and he poured his life into them. I'm speaking as if he's passed. He's not. He just is no longer head coach at that high school because that high school no longer stands. Shut down for financial reasons by the archdiocese. Now, this nation has suffered a ghettoization. One job that I held... Uh, in particular, I, I encountered it in various different ones, but in one particular, I would speak with women down south on a daily basis. And so many of them were obviously, obvious to me, black women, women of color. And... I was surprised to find that these women that I was talking to were more receptive, more receptive than white women that I was around to anything having to do with God, anything having to do with Christ, anything having to do with testimonies of the truth of God 
and the love of God and the power of God, much more receptive. I thought that was fascinating that that was the case because I encountered it over and over and over and over again. It wasn't some very small sampling. No, this was just right across the board. Was it all of them? No. No. I would encounter one here or there that had attitude and this, that, and the other, but for the most part, the overwhelming majority were very receptive. And instead, the white women that I was in communication with professionally, just the opposite. And I've experienced that for years, dealing with people in customer service and what have you, is that the percentage of black women that I've conversed with that is receptive or responsive or welcoming to any reference to God and things of God is higher than that among any number of different segments of of white women in different parts of this country. And I've been very surprised at that because I would have thought that at any case it would have been, you know, equal, that there wouldn't be a discrepancy one way or the other. And or that they, that the black women would be more impacted, affected by all of the extremely negative, corrosive elements in our black culture in this nation. But I did not find it to be the case. I have not found it to be the case. And when I hear players in the NCAA and the NFL refer, make reference to God, it'll be some players that are extremely selfish, egotistical, showboats, materialistic, all about themselves, and then they will pull out, you know, this terminology, and they'll lay out some religious verbiage or other. And what it reminds me of, not that I needed reminding of it, but it reminds me of the number of churches that we have in this nation, of every variety that are very shallow, very materialistic, and self-serving, and so far apart from God, so different from what the church was intended to be. Now, that's not to say there aren't good churches. It's not to say there aren't godly ministers. It's not to say there are not devout Christians, because there certainly are. And were it not for the United States of America, countless nations across this vast globe would never have heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for them, even though he supposedly was a white man, but he wasn't a white man, right? He was a Jew. Summit. But, He was God the Son. It's amazing how much animosity 
and hatred and resentment has been fashioned and has been encouraged and promoted and broadcast and taught, carefully taught and trained in this nation, in this hemisphere, and around the world against Christ for people other than whites because Jesus was a white man, supposedly. And therefore, of course, he's anti-black. He's not your savior. You need a black savior. You know, if there's going to be any savior, if there's going to be any Lord, if there's going to be any God, he needs to be black or he needs to be brown. He needs to be something other than you, right? Well, nothing could be further from the truth. There's only one God, one Christ, and if you reject him, if I reject him, if we reject him, because he isn't what we are. He isn't white. He isn't a Caucasian, or he isn't black. He isn't Negroid, or he isn't olive-skinned of the Asian Oriental variety, or he isn't American Indian, or he isn't South Sea Samoan or something else. If he isn't what you are, he's not fit to be your Lord and your God. It is the most outrageous, profane, idiotic thing. And yet, so many tout that, certainly throughout Islam, but also all of these who have joined the ranks of the black Muslims proudly, arrogantly, conceitedly. Well, it's like that former head of the CIA, director of the CIA, white, he rejected Christianity, and he became a Muslim. It didn't prevent him from becoming the head man of the CIA, the director of the CIA. Very wise to put a man like that at the top of the Central Intelligence Agency during these times of Islamist terrorist attacks against the United States of America. Very, very wise, brilliant, wonderful, outstanding. But that's where we are. Meanwhile, to something else. I'm sure you've seen about the latest threats to the United States of America from dear old Kim Jong-un and his North Korean communist regime that he is dictator over, vicious, ruthless, murderous, torturous, sadistic dictator over. And also about Iran, the Iranians, testing their new ballistic missile just hours after having paraded it before the world. And yes, the President of the United States has responded to that as far as made verbal warnings, threats, whatever, uh, to counter those very 
vivid threats to the safety and security of the United States of America. So he has attempted to counter those threats by very stern warnings. I think it is a very foolish thing to employ something like Twitter to do such. (laughs) But uh, he does speak from the podium from time to time and his bully pulpit, but being the Twitter-in-chief, Chief Twit, tweeting out this, that, and the other thing, very, very often doing so, I think, in a reactionary way, not with regard to, typically with regard to North Korea and Iran, but certainly with regard to the situation in, uh, in the NFL, something gets under his skin and he gets his ire up or his Irish up, some would say, and he's got to go ahead and shoot these things out there, you know, these messages out there. But it is such dumbed-down communication, and it's very unwise to just spout these things, these little fragments out there. If he has anything to say regarding these things, I think he needs to do it in a more measured way. He can do it extemporaneously if he's capable of that, but he ought to be doing it from from the Oval Office or if he chooses to from behind a White House pulpit, if you will. If he wants to make statements to the press corps, fine. If he wants to take questions from them, fine. I don't recommend that he do that. I don't recommend that he take questions. I recommend he make statements instead. But I think that maybe is one reason that he uses Twitter as much as he does is then he can just, you know, get these little mini (laughs) messages out there. But it just amounts to buzzwords and it errs on the side of being incoherent and not being a cohesive, reasoned message. And be that as it is, he is, (laughs) I think one reason that he is under the assault that he is, apart from just, sheer blind hatred on the part of so many in the media and all of these activist groups. But apart from that, I think part of it is that they are so upset that, (laughs) that he's not cowed by them, you know, and he says foolish things. He says stupid things. He, he greatly exaggerates over and over and over. It just kills me. I can't stand to, to listen to it. But nonetheless, he still manages to say some things that are true and that need to be said. And the patriots in this nation, they don't have to have served in the military. They don't have to be servicemen. But here at this game there with between Dallas Cowboys and Arizona Cardinals, there wasn't a Pat Tillman there. 
how many members of the NFL, of these poor, downtrodden NFL players, how many of them have enlisted in the military, have served in the military? Of course, Ranger Valenzuela there of Pittsburgh, who was derided by his profane, thuggish, dare I say, I'll just say thug of a coach, Mike Tomlin, who's a good coach, rotten guy, but a good coach, but derided for having the wrong values here, having patriotism for the nation before loyalty for the team and before subservience to the team. How terrible. Well, it's the nation that we live in today. Those who are suffering, who are being terribly injured, wounded, and dying on behalf of this nation to keep it free. And then the NFL players who supposedly work harder than anybody and are such great patriots and lovers of the flag. I'm Brad Thomas. This is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.